Congregation, the text for the sermon this morning is from our scripture reading from John 3, the verses 14 through 17. We'll read those verses again. John 3, the verses 14 through 17, that's our text. And there the Lord Jesus said, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, it must have come as a great shock to Nicodemus when the Lord told him that no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Nicodemus was, after all, a Pharisee who, as all Pharisees believed and taught, that one could see the kingdom of God through the keeping of the law. Now, not all the Pharisees were hypocrites, as the, Lord's later, as the Lord Jesus later described them. Some were very sincere in their beliefs and very devout people. And Nicodemus was probably one of them. He was a citizen of Israel and as such a member of God's covenant people. And he can be sure that he was circumcised. And that Nicodemus had been very serious about serving the Lord... By keeping the law, he had studied, he even had become a teacher of the Lord's people. And now a new teacher had appeared. And so with the other Pharisees, he had listened closely to the teaching of this new teacher. And while listening to him, they had noticed something profoundly different about Jesus' teaching. Moreover, they had witnessed some miraculous signs that the teacher had done. And who would be able to, to do such signs without God being with him? And so together with some fellow Pharisees probably, Nicodemus had come to the conclusion that this Jesus of Nazareth was indeed a teacher who had come from God. And Nicodemus devote a believer as he was, was serious enough about God and about God's kingdom that he wanted to know more about his teaching and about this teacher and about his teaching. And so he goes to visit Jesus at night. No one needed to know after all. But you know, as soon as he told Jesus that he and his colleagues recognized him as a teacher coming from God, Jesus turns Nicodemus' convictions, his belief system, you could say, just upside down. Nicodemus, you must be born again. You must be born by water and spirit, meaning you must be baptized with the baptism of repentance and receive the Holy Spirit. And otherwise, Nicodemus, you cannot see, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. This new teacher, Jesus, coming from God, not one word he said about keeping the law, only 
Unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God, Nicodemus. And Nicodemus didn't get it. He had just no idea what Jesus was talking about. He, he would not be able to see the kingdom of God. But had he not been born into Israel and did he therefore not belong to God's covenant people and had he not lived a righteous and a pious life, had he not received the sign and the seal of the covenant, had he not been faithful in keeping the law and now this Jesus tells him that none of those things brings them into the kingdom of God. Shocking it is. And not only for Nicodemus, but for many of the Lord's covenant people after him. Because this lesson of the Lord, which he taught Nicodemus, is a lesson meant for the Lord's covenant people of all times and all places. None, no one, can see the kingdom of God unless he or she is born again. And as I said, Nicodemus did not understand it. And so he asked in verse 9, how can these things be? And this is the Lord's answer to this question in the verses 14 through 17. That's our text for this morning. And I will preach it to you under the theme. Jesus answers Nicodemus' question of how it is possible that a person can be born again. And we see that the Lord explains first how it is possible and then also the love that made it possible. First, then how is it possible that a person can be born again? In the verses 14 and 15, we can read what makes it possible to be born again. To explain it, the Lord uses the well-known event from the history of Israel. We read that in our scripture reading of Numbers 21. The people of Israel had, had rebelled against the Lord and against Moses. And the Lord had become so angry with them that he had sent venomous snakes that bit the people so that many of them died. And after they repented, Moses had prayed to them. And then upon the Lord's command, Moses had made a bronze snake and placed it upon a pole so that everywhere in that large camp of Israel, people was able to see it and have life. God showed his grace to his rebellious people by providing a way for them to be saved. Now think about it, just the fact that this bronze snake was visible everywhere in the camp did not mean that necessarily that all bitten people were healed and received life. There were most likely people that just refused to look at that snake. They considered it to be foolishness. To come out of the tents and just to look at the bronze snake. No, no, they rather stayed inside and continued to do what they could in order to stop the, the venom of doing its deadly work. Only looking at the bronze snake. What, what good is that going to do after all? And so, yes, the bronze snake was there and they all knew it. 
And they were all able to see it but if they wanted. But they must put their trust in what the Lord had said, look at the snake and live. And there was, of course, nothing magical about that snake. No, it was about believing what the Lord had said about it. <coughs> now, so in the same way, the Lord Jesus said, the Son of Man, he must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him has eternal life. And we all know what the Lord meant with it, him being lifted up. We all know that with his lifted up, the Lord pointed to himself being lifted up from the earth to hang on a cross. Son of man lifted up on a cross for everyone to see so that everyone who believes in him has eternal life. In faith, looking up at the bronze snake gave life to those who were dying from the snake venom. But looking in faith at that lifted up son of man hanging on the cross, believing in him, will give eternal life to everyone who is dying the eternal death of the venom of sin. Now what does it mean? To believe in the lifted up son of man. What does it mean to believe in a crucified Jesus? This is a good question. But maybe we need first to answer the question and each one of us here for ourselves. Do I truly believe that I need a crucified Jesus? Now it is true that most of us, if not all of us here, would know that the answer to this question should be yes. But only knowing what the answer should be is not necessarily the same thing as believing it. You know, brothers, sisters, young people, do you truly believe that you are deadly poisoned by sin? So deadly that whatever you try you will not be able not to sin. Not to be poisoned more and more all your life long. And that there is really nothing whatsoever that you can do to stop that venom of sin from killing you eternally. Nothing you can do. And do you know not not just with your mind, but really believe it with your heart that only the lifted up, the crucified Jesus Christ can save you from that deadly venom. <coughs> you truly look at sin as a deadly venom from which you must be healed. But then also do you truly believe that you are and that you can be saved from your sin by Jesus only. <clears throat> Are you learning more and more to let go of all those sneaky different ways by which you try to make yourself acceptable to God in one way or another? It is true. It is such a great privilege to be born into the covenant and to have been given all the promises of the covenant of grace. <coughs> Such a privilege to have received the sign and the seal of that covenant. But this brings you, all of us here, 
just as far as Nicodemus, who heard from the Lord that he must be born again. See, it is as he said, most probably that for some of those Israelites that are in the desert, the message of the bronze snake was foolishness. And that they continue to try everything they could do to, 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 to heal themselves. But to no avail. They died. After all, such a foolish thing to look at the bronze snake. Just as it is also in our time for many of the Lord's covenant people through the, what the Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. And the Lord was talking, and the Apostle Paul too, is talking about the Lord's covenant people who are perishing. Because they do, they did not, they do not want to look up at the lifted up, the crucified Lord Jesus Christ. They look at himself and they polish himself up here a little bit and there a little bit and they straighten out their life a little bit. So, unless you're born again, you cannot see, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. It's of course not so that any of the Lord's covenant people would openly say that the message of the cross is foolishness. They, they know better than to say that. But what do they actually believe then if they keep on living the life they always lived and just assume that they are okay, that they are saved because they are a member of the church? And brothers and sisters, I'm not standing here to judge any one of you if he or she is born again or not. And they also know that many of the Lord's dear people cannot really point back into the past to the very moment that they were born again. But they were nevertheless born again. Maybe as a very young child already. And as, and as a result, then they trust for the eternal salvation from sin in nothing and no one else than in the lifted up, the crucified Savior, Jesus Christ. Some of them will tell you that they cannot remember a time that they did not love and not trust the Lord Jesus Christ. But all of them are able to testify that in spite of their daily sinning again and again, that their hearts and their conscience also drives them to their Savior time and again. And all of them in one way or another, show that fruit of faith in their lives, those fruits of leaning and trusting in Jesus alone, those fruits of striving and holy life, of wrestling against sin and living from grace only. You see, you need to take it all so serious because the Lord Jesus was in, in our text not speaking to King Herod or Pontius Pilate, but to one of his covenant people the foremost member of his covenant people even. And why was he addressing him that way? Because the, only the Lord's, for only the Lord's covenant people it is such an, a temptation to trust at least partly in themselves or in what they are. The works of the law, 
the good works in the church, the kindness to the neighbors, and so on. Only for God's covenant people is it a temptation to rest in the fact that they are in the covenant of grace. And that they are baptized. And that they have a great knowledge of, what the, of the Bible and its teaching. And they know all about the catechism and the bells of confession and the canons of thought. But unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. How many government people are there that have been church members, if not all of their life, done for many, many years, but have ignored this word of the Lord by resting in the fact that there are indeed a lot of people that cannot recall the day that they were born again cannot point to a certain time in their lives that it happened. But they rest in it without ever examining for themselves is that also true for them? How many covenant parents do faithfully teach their children the do's and the don'ts and the obligations of the covenant which brings them to Mount Sinai without telling and teaching them this lesson which the Lord Jesus Christ taught Nicodemus without telling, teaching them that they must be born again, that they need a new heart from the Lord and, and so lead them to Jesus. Is it not more than obvious from the words of our Lord in our text that no one should take salvation and entering into God's kingdom for granted? Did he not in the Sermon on the Mount earnestly urge his followers, his disciples even, his covenant people, to strive to enter in through the narrow gate? And what else is that narrow gate but a way of being born again and living from grace only? What else is that broad road on which many will seek to enter will not be able to than the way of works and trusting in one's covenant status and living a life based upon Christian morals without truly believing in the lifted up crucified Lord Jesus Christ. The way of faith in God's grace then the way of new birth by the Spirit is opened up by him who teaches us in our text. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. Let's now, brothers and sisters, look at our second point at the love that made that possible. What love made it possible? Now you could answer this question by saying that Jesus' love made it possible and which would be fine because the Lord Jesus himself, but, but the Lord Jesus himself points in verse 16 to God and when Jesus does that he means of course God the Father his Father we read in verse 16 that the Lord says for God so loved the world and the Greek, the Greek word translated so you may also translate with the words does or in this way for God in this way loved the world. And the, world, the word world 
Here obviously does not point to the whole of God's creation, but to that world of fallen man, into sin fallen man. You see, the stars or the animals or plants cannot believe. Only people can. Only people need to repent. And so we read that God in this way loved this world of into sin fallen man that he gave his only begotten son. God's love. What a wonderful love it is. God so loved fallen man. God so loved man that rebelled against him that he gave his only begotten son. See, the Lord did not say that God so loved those whom he knew that in the future they would recognize him and in the future they would serve him. Or only those whom he had elected. But God so loved all fallen men. Brothers and sisters, such love is an infinite love. Such love sprouts from eternal mercy. Such love is rooted in the heart of God who is love. Just picture it before you. The whole of the fallen human race. From the beginning to the end. Millions, no billions of people just rebelling against him. Raising their fists up against him. Trying to take his place. Corrupting everything beautiful that he had made. And he loves them. So much. And in this way. That he gave his only begotten son. For that rebellious to him, so hostile humanity, God gave his only begotten son, gave him with whom he from all eternity had dwelt in perfect love, with whom he had rejoiced in perfect harmony and relished in pure holiness, his dearest, his most precious son, who was his perfect image, God gave him. Why? Because he loved into sin for a man. He loved us, brothers and sisters in the Lord, while we were still enemies. He gave his son to be lifted up on a cross by the hands of sinful men who showed their hatred for him by killing his son so that whoever would believe in this given son would not perish but have eternal life. That's what he did. And how can we even think that we are okay by just being a member of the covenant and a faithful churchgoer? How, how can we? God gave that much and needed to give that much and needed to love that much to save us. Whoever believes in him, it says that whoever believes in him and there might be a centurion standing on the cross and there might be a murderer on the cross and it might be the one who denied him three times in a row. Maybe the one who persecuted the church. Whoever believes in this, Jesus, lifted high upon the cross, will not perish but has eternal life. But yes, it might be someone who sat for years in the church having his or her ear, his or her ear stopped for the gospel while at the same time applying every sermon to everyone else. It might be someone who for a long time just faked the faith for convenience sake. Hypocrite, who by his or his legal or her legalistic imitation of godliness has been in the so in torn in the side of many a little one of little faith. 
But if they only look, if they only look in faith at this by God-given son to this lifted-up Savior, they will live forever and will not ever perish. That's the gospel. Maybe a youth who hidden for its parents enjoys the world and tries out every vile and sinful thing that his parents wanted them for. Maybe an older man or woman who's seen his or her parents dying in sorrow for them because they had left the faith and gone to live into the world. Whoever believes in him believes in God's only begotten son will not perish but has eternal life. That's God's love. And brothers and sisters in the Lord, we who are already born again in our ongoing struggle with our sin, we may every time we wonder, look up at our lifted up Savior and then we know it again. I shall not perish. For my Savior was lifted up and has taken away all my sin. He's taken away the venom of sin out of me. And we may hear from high above the cross the voice of God our Father. I have loved you with eternal love and no one will pluck you out of my hand. I have loved you with everlasting love and therefore I have drawn you with loving kindness. Brother congregation, what infinitely wide and long and high and deep is that love. Let us not any, in any way spurn that love by looking or trusting in anything or in anyone else than our lifted up Savior who was given by a loving God to a world to dying and eternal death because of sin. We, re- we, re- we read in verse 17 that the Lord Jesus said, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. See that God is love. That's the glorious gospel to even the vilest of sinners, to even the most stubborn and willful hypocrite. This is the true light that must shine in the world that's perishing in the darkness of sin. And so this message, brothers and sisters in the Lord, we must carry into the world every day. For we are the light of the world. No, we we do not necessarily need to know the whole Bible and all the fine points of the Reformed doctrine to be a light in the world, to be a messenger of the good tidings for to lost sinners, just just this. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but has eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Amen.